0: Wait! Right. If that was you on the phone and you on the bus. And who was flickering the lights?
1: Nose for Ratu!
0: sir please I've something to tell ladies and gentlemen how do you
1: Blood and Black Rum
0: Podcasts, and Halloween. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColeSploitation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Pretty good. We're still, uh, we're deep into Anth Halloween now. We're actually hitting into uh, the sixth episode of Anth Halloween. And one thing that um, we're getting into now is that we're actually doing Halloween movies now. Like the last two movies of Anth Halloween are literally going to be anthologies with Halloween in them, which is something that we haven't done yet on the show. And I'll leave it at that because, as you know, we've been doing eras. We've been doing – we started in the 60s, gone through the 70s, 80s, 90s was last week. Now we're in the 2000s and that really only leaves – and one film.
1: And there's very and it's very
0: 2000s. Yes. There's only one film that's an, a Halloween anthology in the 2000s that I can think of. VHS. <laughs> there, are, Well, there's probably – I think there is Halloween in VHS. But this one is particularly surrounded, all of it, within Halloween. And that movie I'm talking about is Trick or Treat. And we should really s- s- pronunciate this, Trick or Treat. Trick or treat, trick dirt. (laughs) Not trick or treat. Trick or treat is a different film from the eighties. It's about a rock star on Halloween night. That's a different film. We're talking about trick
1: or treat. So uh, trick, trick or treat from the eighties is like New Year's Evil. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Very similar. Gonna have to. We'll have to do that at
0: some point. That'll be for another. But it's it's the mid two thousands, so we got trick or treat. You know. Yeah, it's more of like the Adirondack slang that we have. You just drop your letters and you just combine it all together. We're like the French, but a lot less refined sounding.
1: You know what's great is actually, speaking of uh, just backwoods slang for us, um, you know the popular, the now popular um, angry white lady shouting and then the confused white cat? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. having like the... Yeah, yeah, like, they the, sort of the like dinner. The They're sitting at dinner shouting, yeah. and then the cat shouting. Yeah. Well, the, it doesn't even look like the cat's shouting. It looks like it's just puzzles. Like, like, it's kind of Why sti- are you
0: yelling at yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, they have one now. It's Creek. And the cat's like, Crick. That's us. That's us. That's what so we say. another one say that's for upstate New Yorkers only.
0: Stewards for Storts. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people listening to this show probably won't even get that. But. So it's a fun grocery store slash gas station slash cafe slash ice cream shop that we have in upstate New York. So um, so yeah, Trick or Treat, one of my favorites, especially for the Halloween season. I've probably seen it 18 to 20 times, watched it every year. Um, when in fact, Ryan Chil- didn't even watch it this time. <laughs> yeah. When Chiller was still a ch- TV channel, I believe that they used to play Trick or Treat uh, for 24 hours on Halloween, much like... TBS has been airing a Christmas story on Christmas for 24 hours. Uh, so Trick or Treat is like the Christmas story of Halloween, even though you would think Halloween would be the Christmas story of Halloween. It's not. Trick or Treat has really become a big deal with horror fans throughout um, Especially, like when it first released, it wasn't uh, as huge of a
1: success. And I don't. Now, even, I don't even remember any promotion for it, to be honest with you. Yeah,
0: it was pretty, um, pretty low uh, on the totem pole for for promotion. I don't know that it ever actually had a a, a theatrical release. I think it only released on uh, film or on, on DVD and Blu Ray, and uh, it just kind of had a quiet existence for a little while, and then people found it, saw it. If you're like me, uh, you had already read the comic book version of it uh, before you've seen the movie. And so it, it, it kind of blossomed into a, a big success for Michael Doherty. Um, so much so, in fact, that now Michael Doherty basically releases an annual Halloween update every year of whether Trick or Treat 2 is coming. It's kind of like the new thing of like, is it coming? Is it not coming? Um, he so did, it's, it's the Half-Life 3. Yeah, basically. Of movies. Basically, yeah. And and basically he did release one this year actually not too long ago where he just said – No. You know, <laughs> no, he said he's open to doing a trick-or-treat too. Um, it's more so on the producers and production if they actually are going to do another one or not. He wrote another graphic novel for trick-or-treat. It's called Days of the Dead. It's probably not one of his better um, – stories for trick-or-treat but still it exists um so hopefully if they do do a trick-or-treat too they don't go in that route um but yeah he's uh he's open for it and it just depends on you know how things work out in california film world maybe he's called to do another godzilla movie who knows or maybe just he just skips it all and just krampus too um you mean Krampus? krampus um, you had never seen Trick or Treat, no, nope. prior to this, which is surprising. I don't know how you've managed to go you know, what uh, released in like two thousand seven, yeah, twelve, 12 years, years without seeing it.
1: Don't I don't understand it. I honestly, didn't even know about its existence until like, we started the podcast, and it's like one of the things you co- constantly would bring kept up. bringing up for Halloween. Like we got to do I trick or treat. treat. Got to do trick or treat. And I was like, I oh. don't. I just don't see how you've
0: missed it for so long. Well,
1: you know what. Now I'm in the fold.
0: You are. You are. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorites. It's a fun time,
1: and you I'll know, say I'll say this for uh, the film: calling it an anthology, very loose definition of the word. That's the anthology. Ex- actually
0: what I was going to bring up because this is one of those anthologies that we've not had on the show at all yet for Anth- Halloween. Um, an anthology that's not structured based on just specific stories. This is an anthology that tells stories interspersed with one another. And so you can, you could call it an anthology. You could say that it's not an anthology and that it all just takes place on Halloween night and that it just has more of a narrative. I would almost say it's just not a linear
1: storytelling.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think of it as an anthology because these are specific stories and they just intertwine. I think that that makes it an anthology because you do have those specific segments to
1: it. Um, Four separate, you know, character yeah. character stories. Yeah, No, you're right. But, I mean, like, it's – I would say, like, it's a very, very loose interpretation of what that word means, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you've seen a bunch of other anthologies, um, how the structure of this is – Completely different. Though I will say, and probably as we go more into detail, I think the fact that it's wraparound story and how it all connects makes it, you know, a unique way of telling that. Yeah, I and think it's, it's definitely enjoyable.
0: a definitely unique way of telling an anthology story. Um, as we've mentioned before, especially in the other films that we've covered, the wraparound stories can be um, weak. Because there's really, like, sometimes they don't have a wraparound story. It's just a guy telling stories. Uh, sometimes they can be rather strong. You know, you have Tales from the Crypt, which we covered, which had uh, a kind of a fun wraparound story where everybody was telling their own story and, in um, you know, then going to hell. So you can have both. And I think this is the first anthology film that we've come across that does a different type of wraparound story where they all kind of intermingle and mix and um, – one thing I will say is that the, these types of stories make it difficult to do a podcast on each of the stories because you're kind of – you're like, where do I start? Where do I begin? Um, what Which stories do I cover first? So bear with us as we try to work through each of the stories uh, since they're so mixed together. Um, we might jump around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really interesting anthology and it's I'm, I'm glad that we get to cover it on here because it does have that uniqueness to it that makes it different from the other anthologies that we've done.
1: And I think also too because it's the same setting, same time frame, that's what also again makes like really is stretching the your def like the traditional sense of what an anthology is. Because mm-hmm. anthologies are their own separate and you know, stories with their own timelines and settings and characters. This, like, has different stories with different characters, but it's all in the same setting, same time frame, same timeline, which, thing again, I'm- makes it like, like I said, it's a very just, like, kind of Tarantino-esque and, like, how it's, like, non-linear jumping back and forth from different things.
0: One thing, too, that I'll say is that we're making the distinction that it's an anthology um, or actually just in, including it in anthology, um, whereas, you know, I'm not... I'm not saying like the, the film itself thinks of itself as an anthology or a narrative or whatever that doesn't really have, and it doesn't really matter what the film thinks of it as we're, we're categorizing it as an anthology loosely here just so that we can do it on the show for Um But no matter what, you know, it's not really important to put it into a box. It doesn't well, matter.
1: Well, seeing as I, do, I, I haven't, you know, cause I did, had no prior knowledge of this film and then fact that there's com- you know comics and graphic novels based off I'd say based off the opening to me just as a general film watcher um the whole like creep showesque like opening that like to me like seems like it's an homage to creep show
0: yeah for sure i mean and uh, we should say too that the the comic did not exist prior to the film so it's in a lot of ways like creep show where creep show had a film and it was loosely based on EC comics stuff like Tales from the Crypt and then kind of influenced a comic later on. The same thing is true of Trick or Treat. It wasn't – it didn't start out as a comic. It was – the comic was made for the film and then later on they kind of adapted it into comic form. So yeah, it, in a lot of ways it is like Creepshow. Um, I think that was certainly an inspiration for Michael
1: Doherty and – It could be it could because uh, Warner Brothers made the film. They're probably like, Michael, we're not going to let you make another film – but we own DC Comics. Yeah. <laughs> How about you just write a fucking, you know, a couple of graphic novels for us.
0: Yeah, actually they were released uh, by Legendary. Um and he did a Gra- Krampus one as well, which I have. So Was that like a DC
1: Comics subsidiary or? I
0: think their own. They're their own subsidiary subsidiary, and they also do film. So yeah. So good to know. But I just wanted to put that out there. The graphic novel exists, but it was created after the Trick or Treat film And actually Michael Doherty Mostly based Trick or Treat on a prior Short that he did uh, Like an animated short um, With Sam, the the pumpkin headed uh, Halloween Spirit being that Exists within his film uh, In pretty much every tale that he tells um, There was a short film That he did and kind of Wanted to expand on that narrative from there And thus Trick or Treat was born So good good tidbits <laughs> I like to uh, call Sam
1: Brag Boy Brag Boy Brag Boy taking that from Steve Brule. <laughs> alright no, uh, from Bag Boy starring Steve Brule. Steve Brule.
0: alright so let's take a break uh, we'll talk about uh, the beer that we have in the show this week because I did pick out a special one for this episode as you know we've been trying to get away from the Oktoberfest a little bit we did you know we've been doing a Halloween theme for all of our beers We did, like, quite a few weeks of Oktoberfest, and at a certain point, it becomes difficult to just talk about another Oktoberfest. Like, yeah, it's an Oktoberfest. And Uh, the fact our winters are already coming out, so. Yep. Uh, But I did find a beer that was thematically resonant for our show that was not an Oktoberfest. And it's Great Lakes Nosferatu Imperial Red Ale. You mean Nosferatu. Nosferatu. If I remember, I don't know why uh, if I remember, I'll put that sound clip in here as well.
1: After I, you know, I don't know why, but it's just one of my favorite SpongeBob moments. It's because he just says it was such a well it's nonplussed a, way. Well, not only like that, but it's just so weird. Like, cause, I mean, it's like the Halloween episode about the hash slinging slasher, and at the end they get like scared, like, and then Nosferatu pops out, and they're just like Nosferatu. And it's not even like an animated one; they just took like you know
0: the actual. Crack
1: Shrek, yeah,
0: no, Suratu. yeah, I know. It's a great moment. I think it's just because it is so w- random and weird, and it's a nice uh, ode to Halloween. With a, you know, because that that episode, yes, it's spooky and scary for a, a SpongeBob episode, but it's not particularly Halloweeny. So they they wanted to throw a reference in there to give it that special feeling.
1: I think I do like too for the episode, uh, the SpongeBob episode uh, with the Nasty Patty. When they make them, like, you know, for the food inspector, the nastiest Krabby Patty they can try to, point, like, you know, to try to mm-hmm. scare them off. And they show, like, a close-up of the burger and the way they, like, drew, uh, drew the burger looks like something from, like, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, right, yeah. And they, like, got that, like, artwork that, yep. you know, that's pretty, I love that, too. Yeah. little off the beaten path here, but yeah. who doesn't love SpongeBob?
0: So the Great Lakes Nosferatu Imperial Red Ale is, um... A specialty beer that they make. Uh, if you've, I, we've had. Great, I think we had Great Lakes on the show once before. I think we had their fest on the show.
1: We've had their Oktoberfest and we've done their uh, White Christmas,
0: the White I Christmas Winter. Yeah, and uh, so they they are from. Um, I, I want to say like Minnesota, Michigan, My, Michigan, Michigan. That's where it is, and uh, they they make some pretty good beers. That um, they have a, a lot of different beers. That, like they don't stick to one idea. They they tend to jump around a little bit. And so this is one of their specialties
1: uh, for the obviously the Halloween season. Um, around I would say around here we usually get like um, I think they're there's uh, all year round ones. I see it constantly, like the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter and the I think Sea Captain IPA or something. Yeah, they we get like, a couple
0: of regular ones and, and then the, Pil-
1: the Pilsner they have too. So
0: yeah, and then some that we just kind of you know random ones that that they make that we we've gotten before. Um, this Nosferatu Imperial Red Ale is obviously an Imperial Red Ale. It's 8%. Um, it's uh, got a nice coppery color on the pour because I did pour it out just to see how red it actually was. Um, 70
1: IBUs, I think it says on
0: the bottle. Yes, it's actually on the hoppier side. Which would make, almost make you think it's like an Imperial Red IPA. Yeah, yep. It's It's certainly on the palate. You'd get that hoppiness to it. Uh, nice malty taste, caramel um, not, you know what, one thing about it though, is that the 8% does not come through in the taste of like being overly alcoholic, um, which sometimes can happen to your Imperials. Um, they, they tend to get that like, Espe- late especially alcohol if you, taste. Get,
1: like, you get like an Imperial stout, like a Russian yeah. Imperial stout or something yeah, like that. You get
0: that like, and it, I won't say that it's unpleasant, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a byproduct of having a higher alcohol content is that you do get that sort of harsh alcohol taste towards the end, which it, I don't think is, um, anybody's goal. And so this actually gets around that. Um, and if you've known, if you've listened to us before, we enjoy red ales quite a bit. Um, they're one of our favorite styles. And I particularly enjoy this uh, Imperial Red Ale. Um, on this, A little bit on the sweet side, but with that hoppy balance to it and a nice malt character underneath. I would say
1: very biscuity, mm-hmm. very bready. Mm-hmm gives it a nice sweetness to it. I think the fact that it's Imperial, it does like let the hops, you know, be very pronounced, but at the same time not enough to where you'd say, that's not an Imperial, right? It's like an Imperial red IPA. It doesn't really come, like come across as a red IPA. Right. I think it strikes a nice balance with the heavy malts and also a nice hoppiness though that's crisp and, mm-hmm. you know, makes it like a nice refreshing like even at like as high in you know, as biscuity and sweet as it is, it's a very, like, palatable, nice, you know, you can, you know, take a couple slugs of it, you know. and Yeah. It's not like last week with uh, maple 1911. Bourbon, the 1911 maple bourbon cider where you're like, Yeah. You know, slowly sipping at it. Even though it's 8%, you can still kind of take a few glugs and you're like, oh, that's, that's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy this one. I would definitely get it again. Kind of
0: reminds me of the Sam Adams Tasman Red, if you remember that one from. Uh, yeah,
1: not definitely not as like IPA though. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that because that was a red IPA, but but uh, it's kind of similar in that sense, um, and definitely fits the season as well. No for right on yeah. the right on the
1: um, box. So I check. like the artwork. It's very you know very yeah like that nice you know red color that they add to yeah. you know
0: the artwork is nice.
1: Um, Check
0: this one out if you can find it. It is on the expensive side. It's a four pack of bottles for about like eleven ninety nine. So that is on the expensive side for something like this. But uh, at the same time,
1: it's I think it was worth the price for sure. I, uh, yeah, I'd agree. I agree. I generally, even though I like imperial like Imperials, I kind of stay away from them just because they're always a crapshoot. Like on how well they're going to balance like that high alcohol content with, you know, the actual flavor of the beer. Mm. And so that's one of the reasons. And they're always more expensive, you know. So um, one of the reasons why I generally stay away from like, you know, if we're at like beer, at, you know, beer fest, sample all of them all day. Why not? But, you know, we're actually going out and buying them.
0: Yeah, because you just don't know what you're going to get for that price. Yeah, You know, like, I hope I end up liking this for, you know, $14 after tax and everything. Yeah. So,
1: But this is a good choice. I would say pick it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. All right. So getting into Trick or Treat. It's hard to know where to start with Trick or Treat. Um, You know, so I think we'll just start at the beginning with that first opening story. Um, We have... Actually, this takes place later in the evening on Halloween uh, as the graphic shows you, this sort of like comic-esque graphic that says later uh, up at the top. And uh, you have a robot and – what is that guy? I don't even know. What is that guy's I costume? don't even a know ninja? what the fuck you are. I a thought pirate? he was like
1: some like medieval like – A knight? <laughs> page boy or something. <laughs> yeah, this I'm, not, like this, I'm like, not sure exactly what he is. Yeah. I but, was wondering why Matt, that wasn't Matthew Lillard because it looked like low-rent Matthew Lillard. Yeah, it does actually. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh,
0: but they're coming home from her, their Halloween party. They're tuckered out, or at least the wife is. And she's being a total bitch. She hates Halloween. She hates Halloween. She wants to just pu- to pull down all the decorations. Because they got some nice looking decorations. They got ghost summonings, Ouija boards outside, and nice orange lights all over the place. Got pumpkins Ooh. lit. A little bit uh, Ku
1: Klux Klan with with uh, <laughs> crosses and sheets over them <laughs> so Yeah, maybe a little could, bit could could have probably done something different
0: <laughs> in the middle they're burning an effigy <laughs> yeah no but uh so she's she's basically taking down all the shit she's like you know what you go and you you watch your porn night slash page boy go upstairs and watch your porn labor labeled the nature special
1: and I'll take down all these Halloween decorations, which is funny because even though I don't know when this was filmed, I think from what I saw, it got delayed on release. Okay, so it, it did, yeah. So, it, I mean, it because it doesn't look like two. It looked like it doesn't look quite look like two thousand seven, but it still looks like it's um, we're we're in the nice. Uh, um, Costas Mandalore years of Saw with, you know, the way people look. Yeah, I think you know. it was
0: more like 2005 probably yeah. that the, this was actually filmed. So even at that
1: point, mm. uh, there's still, you know, LimeWire is still a thing, but yeah. you, don't, you don't need VHS, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the whole
0: thing is that, you know, obviously you get this idea that it's not okay to just, there's there's rituals at play on Halloween night right away. You, you know that, you know, they mention it. And so she is taking down all these decorations and that's not okay on Halloween. You know, it's not over yet. So you don't do anything on Halloween night to just disturb the ritual because otherwise. You're going to piss the spirits off. Yeah, you're going to get murdered uh, violently by a very sharp pop uh, lollipop
1: candy thing. I haven't seen those like pumpkin lollipops in years. The, it's probably been like twenty years since like, like when I was a kid trick or treating and the last time I've seen like a pumpkin lolly. I don't know if like I've that.
0: ever seen the ones that like Sam has in this movie where it's like um you know the jack the lantern Can like the literal candy, like Jolly Rancher type candy. Um I remember seeing like the chocolate jack-o'-lanterns that were actually like white chocolate um that were on popsicles mm-hmm. at fairs and stuff. But I don't I don't know if I've ever seen like a popsicle like that with a jack-o'-lantern on it. That I know
1: of. I, I think remember. I have. Like I said, it's got to be like 20 years.
0: Sure. I mean, and, and probably that's true. And I'm sure Michael Doherty based all of that on nostalgia of like, you know, stuff from his Halloween past. Um, so that makes sense. But I've just never seen one myself that was like that. But uh, that's a pretty um, – a nice, brutal opening moment for uh, Trick or Treat to get that right before the opening credits occur. Um and you know what? It sets a nice tone for the film. It's like, you know what? Bitches who don't like Halloween, they're getting killed.
1: You're getting snuffed out. That's right. Like just a jack-o'-lantern. Like snuffed, yeah, just like you snuffed out the candle on that jack-o'-lantern.
0: Yeah.
1: I do. I did like the nice little Halloween homage when we see that POV shot from Sam's perspective. And you uh, get, uh, underneath the, 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 mask. the mask and yeah, right. the bag. I lied. Wait, no. Is it Halloween or Halloween 2? I'm thinking of. Of what? For, like, the,
0: the... With the mask on? Yeah. Well, you see that in the first Halloween as uh, Michael is going up the stairs and, you know, murdering his sister. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I at the would, beginning I, of the film. For a second, I was thinking that was only in Halloween 2. No, I mean, you get that. You certainly do get that, um, you know, because you do, like, in that sense, both of them have sort of that obstruction over the camera. Mm-hmm. You know the bag in this one, or the mask that's sort of obstructing the the peripheral vision
1: in Halloween. You get the heavy breathing. Yes, yes. Point is, nice homage. It is whether, whether whatever film it came from. That's right. Then you get
0: your opening credit sequence, which is uh, the comic that's been designed specifically for Trick or Treat, which is a nice reference to Creep Show, as we talked about. Um, definitely a good graphic design for that. And then you're in. You're into the first stories.
1: I like, too, that everything's bright orange. Oh, like yeah. The color palette, not just, like, throughout the opening credits and the end credits, but throughout the entire film, it's constantly, like, orange. Because it's got that mid-2000s, like, everything's gray. Yeah, the gray. tinge. Yeah, yeah, that gray, like, everything's got to be in grayscale. And then they add, like, you know, either greens or, blue, like, you know, neon greens or blues to it. But here, they're like, I can do an orange. Yeah. You know, cause it's Halloween. Absolutely. So you know that's nice. I gotta like have it. that filter. Yeah, you know, that is nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So the first story that we get is um, the story of the little kid who's the fat little kid who's smashing pumpkins.
1: Now, is that the same kid from Bad Santa?
0: Um, that's a good question. I really don't know that answer. Um, I'd have to look at it. Um, if I have enough internet access, I will look it up right now. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But, um, well, he looks like the kid from Bad Santa. I don't know if it is the kid from Bad Santa or not, but he, that's what he looks like. He does. Yeah, he does look like that. He's got that curly,
1: yeah, and poofy blonde, blonde hair. hair. Yeah, but he's just a little compared to him, Bad Santa, where he's good-hearted. If that is the kid, he's just a little shithead here. That's right. Just knocking everyone's jack-o'-lanterns yeah, off the.
0: You know what? That's the ultimate taboo for me. I would also violently murder that kid by poisoning him with candy if he smashed my jack-o'-lanterns. It's ridiculous. You know what? You spend a lot of time on those jack-o'-lanterns. Sometimes you get a jack-o'-lantern. You get a pumpkin that's just absolutely um, very rigid and you can't cut into it because it's so pulpy inside. And you know what? You spend so much time on those. You don't want to see a little shithead smash that pumpkin. I want to smash it after Halloween. So, yeah, I can totally see where Stephen Wilkins is coming from here.
1: And then when he, the kid goes up to Stephen Wilkins' door and the s- sign says, just take one candy, and he's just wadding it all in his bag and he gets caught by him. You know what? That is exactly he, – he doesn't know
0: limits, right? I mean this kid doesn't know limits. You can eat one candy bar. You can't eat seven candy bars. It's just a little bit too much. Might be why he's
1: a little overweight. Listen. Should have been giving out like giant candy bars to begin with. That's true. That's setting a bad precedent. Yeah, it is. So you can't be yelling at him, you know, for dangling it out there. Any <laughs> child would have been like, you "Got fucking whole size Snickers just lying around?" Yeah, I'm
0: grabbing that one. Thank you. Yeah. You know. Um, but one thing that I, I do like about this whole scenario is that this is a lot of thought process for this Stephen Wilkins to go through because he's a principal. And so he's got to be, like, planning this out, like, starting at the beginning of September when school is in session. He's like, you know what, I'm fucking sick of these fucking kids. (laughs) What do I want to do? All right, that's perfect. I'm going to poison candy for Halloween and give it to the biggest shitheads in the school.
1: You know, it would have been kind of nice if it was, like, razors or something. Well, that appears later on. I was going to say, because you hear that, like, all the time, like, you know, like, people are putting razors in candy. No, Mm -hmm. they're not. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of like the memes you see on like online now of like they're putting their edibles. Edibles. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's doing that. Yeah, no.
0: The razor (laughs) thing has always been a urban an urban legend, and it's it's never actually been proven that anybody's ever done that.
1: How like I don't even understand the
0: logistics of how you would do that. You yeah, you'd have to like cut the wrapper slightly, stick the razor in. No, but
1: even if like you bit into the, the candy wrap. bar, even no matter how much nougat and caramel or whatever is in that candy bar, you're gonna be like, there's metal there.
0: <laughs> no, it's for the <laughs> dumbest kids only. The kids are just, like, this just is really hard. Just
1: swallow. But just, the whole they thing. just keep going. Oh, yeah. it's an almond. Don't worry. It's a you know.
0: The I think the biggest thing that would happen is like this unpleasantly cut my gums a little bit like floss you know and you'd be like fuck I'm what is this metal piece Jeez. yeah but yeah I think it would just be like at the most unpleasant for a little bit and
1: you're like fucking razors I think the kid threw up because that candy bar was like a take five or something. <laughs> he was, he, he was, knew. Like he knew. I shit. He's like, oh shit, damn! Candy I candy grabbed bar. the
0: wrong one. I meant to grab the Milky Way. I grabbed the Mister Goodbar. Oh yeah, fuck! Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I I grabbed the knock, the cheap knockoff instead. Um, yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's why Stephen Wilkins looks so surprised. He's like, w- what happened?
1: Oh, that's right. I got the two dollar bag, ten pound bag of candy. Sidebar here. It's a trick or treat. It is a trick. Not it doesn't have to deal with the movie, but it is a Halloween trick or treat thing. Hershey's or Mars? Um, What's the better candy?
0: Give me a, an example of what a Mars would be like. A, as a- M and M's, Snickers, Milky Way, Three Musketeers. Mars is Milky Way. Yes. Oh, Mars by far, then. Because yes. Milky Way is my favorite. Me,
1: yeah. Candy. All, like, like, a lot of people don't realize this because they don't sell Mars bars here. Like, they do in, like, the uh, UK and shit. They still call them, like, Mars bars. They don't have them. Like, you know, it's like their right. version of the Milky Way. I well, actually never thought of, like, who makes Milky Way.
0: I know. I, like, doesn't even yeah. ring a bell to me. So, like, Mars, yeah, I didn't really yeah. put it together, but yeah, yes. Mars.
1: Mars. Because Hershey chocolate is fucking Fugazi garbage. Like, <laughs> Hershey's milk chocolate is crap. Mr. Goodbar's. Those are-, are fighting words. Somewhere, someone
0: is listening to this show and they're like, that Martin is a fucking idiot. I'm never listening to <laughs> Black yeah, Rock Mr. Podcast Goodbar, again. M-
1: Mr. Goodbar's crap. Mr. <laughs> Crackles. You know what? Crap. I kind of like them because I like Crunch Bars, which are made by Nestle. Who also do butterfingers. Hershey's literally the lowest rent candy. The only thing they have is Reese's. You know what? Literally the only thing they have. Everything else they do is
0: crap. You know what you're doing? You're shitting on someone's entire childhood. Where like someone like was literally only a Hershey's only family. They're like, I love Hershey's. Yeah, and I'm sorry to tell you, but you know, you lived a lie. How? Is there any Mars, uh, theme park? I don't think so. It's only Hershey, Pennsylvania.
1: Because they don't need it. Because they know their M&M's are better than fucking whatever the hell Hershey's got. Whatever that's... Yeah. Granted, Mars was starting to drift into the territory of pissing me off with every M&M, like M&M's now being like Oreos. They got every fucking flavor under the sun, but you know. Honestly,
0: as long as they have Milky Way, Mars wins. Because Milky Way is like way up here.
1: Yeah, and Snickers are even better because it's good I don't like nuts.
0: Snickers because I don't eat peanuts, but... Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably it. Then you're right. That kid probably ate a Hershey's bar. You should run that up the pole. Make that the pole. What's better, Hershey's or Mars? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's why that kid got sick.
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, it's a it's a nice um it's a nice opening storyline because it's quick, it's easy, it makes sense, it's kind of fun because, like you said, it's sort of like an a, a offshoot of the razor blades and the candy. Razor blades in the candy comes up later on. It's like the and part of the last story, but this one is sort of like an offshoot where you can kind of imagine this might happen. Easy, a little bit easier to imagine. You could inject a candy bar a little bit easier with you know poison, yeah. poison or rat poison or you know um, whatever he is. Yeah, uh, coolant or anything like that, <laughs> and just you know go to town. And uh, this one makes a little bit more sense. Um, so, and then you also get that really great shot of the kid just barfing his brains out of chocolate all over the place and like a Hershey fountain.
1: See, I couldn't – Yeah, I was going to say. I couldn't tell. Like if – I thought at first it was supposed to be – it was chocolate that he was throwing yeah. up. But then afterwards when I, he's inside and like still coughing, it's blood. And it's he's like, got the blood on his shirt and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it was like – I'm like, wait. was so he throwing I up had blood had a lot the of entire entire time? to think about this
0: because I've seen the movie so many times. <laughs> and the, yes, that has come up for me. And my – my thought process is that yes, originally he's he's throwing up the chocolate because you, you're throwing up the the first contents of your stomach. And at that point, after that, he's starting to hemorrhage up through his throat because he's throwing up so much. So he's throwing up blood, and that would be my thought process behind that. Because if you're throwing up violently so much, after a certain point, like your esophagus and everything starts to become raw, and then you're throwing up blood. So that that's my take on that, but. Yes, it's not entirely clear. I think at first he's throwing up chocolate, but the the scene is so is set in the dark, so you can't really tell. You know if the fluid is just dark, like you know red mm-hmm. blood, or you know if it's chocolate. But I think it's chocolate at first.
1: So now what we have to mention too is as he's dragging the child's lifeless body in the house, get uh, we he gets some unexpected visitors at the door. That's right. We have our first crossover here with uh, the
0: kids that will turn up in another story, the school bus story. Um, and they're doing a pumpkin drive for UNICEF, which is funny. Uh, I don't know that UNICEF is so popular at anymore. Um, a lot I know a lot of people have nostalgia for like UNICEF commercials around Halloween. Um, Things that used to to
1: pop up, like the bags, like the UNICEF
0: UNICEF bags, and like be safe on Halloween. Like here's a flashlight and stuff like that. Um, I don't remember it so much. I think this was, you know, it was even before our time so much. Um, I do remember one UNICEF commercial um, that we used to watch in like kindergarten. Other than like it was like a a safety commercial for trick or treating. Other than that though, I don't really remember UNICEF so much, but. I, and I like I said I don't know that they have much of a presence anymore as like a you know a company that shows up and it's like all about trick or treating safety but well it's not a company it was a charity yeah it's, it's a charity. charity right right but um, so I don't recall it so much but uh, definitely makes sense for this um, so yeah they show up in this and you get your little crossover there um, it's kind of nice a little, little uh, I guess a preview of what's to come in the sh- in this uh, movie.
1: With another segment. Um, Now, afterwards, after that, when when he's struggling with this uh, child's dead body, he's uh, dragging him out into a nice little uh, grave that he's dug for the boy. And we get another crossover.
0: Yeah, this is like a major one because this one actually turns up again. Literally, like the scene itself turns up again in the uh, final episode – in this show, or in this—I don't know why I keep saying that—but in this movie, um, and so you, yeah, you've got you've got the uh, the major crossover, and then like I said, those kids they turn up. This is that like that's the only appearance that you see of them stopping at the Wilkins door. Um, so it's like you know you've got your minor crossover, and then you've got your major crossover with an event that actually takes place later on in the film. Um, so that's sort of like a bookend, which is really nice. I think I, th- I like that that they. Um, included that as like the a crossover that you see two times. Now they do it in a, a good way too. Like you don't want it to be such a crossover where literally the same events happen twice on screen, you know, because then you're just repeating yourself. So they do it in a way where you're not watching the same footage as the events occur. You're seeing it from one perspective, and then you're seeing it from another perspective, um, and it's not like the same footage just shown again mm. which I think would be problematic if it was like especially in an 80 minute film like this where you had two of the same scenes Repeated. repeating yeah so I like that they don't do that um but we also get to meet um Steven's child who is a very annoying little boy uh and and it played up for laughs on purpose um because you're trying yeah. to get yeah, you're trying, you're trying to get that cute little like annoyance, S- scamp, which, which might actually explain why Stephen Wilkins is the way that he is, you know, sort of killing off children. He's a <laughs> principal. He sees the worst in people at school. Then he comes home and his child's a little asshole as well. We're going to carve the pumpkin. So I need help with the eyes. I like that it gives context and that it also kind of hints that he might want to kill his child at night. And so you get that nice little conclusion to the story where uh, they're going to carve the pumpkin and you're you're kind of watching as he pulls out the knife and you're like, mm, is he going to stab his kid? What's going to happen? And then he ends up stabbing the head of another – of the other kid that he killed. Charlie. Charlie. And that's a – I like that, that that happens as a reveal. I don't know that the reveal is particularly effective. Like I don't know that it, watching it from the first time if you're really thinking that he's killing his kid. Um, but – I like that kind of fade away out and showing, you know, this psychopath is also teaching his kid to be a psychopath.
1: Now, I know. I think his son's Damien. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's already like poised to be the Antichrist. Yeah. You're you hear here in the background. Rick Noodles, hey. Dummy You Don't I mean, like, you know, the way, like, you know. Yeah. They're already setting the that up. Bring the whole new means. I need help carving the eyes. Yeah, that's it's a cool little thing. It's a cool little, you know, making a head into a jack lantern. I like that. I like that. Like, apparently, he does this all the time, and nobody in town fucking knows. None the wiser. Just every year, another kid goes missing. Oops.
0: Like, I don't just know. Just
1: like, yeah, that kid was a little shit. Who knows where I, he went? I like to think that
0: everybody else in town is just like Halloween. Ooh, Be careful. And you know what? Things weird things happen on Halloween. November 1st they all go back to normal. They're like who didn't make it. It's like the purge. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's, it's like, like the, the <laughs> purge except you know it's just Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I like thinking about it like that. Um anything else you want to add about that first story before we move on?
1: I I like the fact that <laughs> the, the it's got a nice uh sadistic comedic tone to it, it like does, yeah. you know um the dog like barking underneath the fence, and he's like, "Fucking dog!" And he like cuts the kid's finger off. Which the way he was, the, that finger was flopping around. It looked, <laughs> literally looked like just like you know, lopped his weenie off. It was I'm like pretty
0: hey. sure they didn't go with the twelve year old's
1: penis in that. Well, you know, I know, but the way like that, that finger wasn't you know just like yeah. sh- you know, it was like, you know, gelatinously waving. Yeah. yeah. I get you. And then, like, the kid wakes up. He's still not dead. And you just see it, like, as he's talking yeah, to his neighbor. Some, some slapstick in there. You know, just, like, kicking, punting him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good scene. Says, maybe he should have cut his head off. And if you're going to carve it in your house anyway, maybe you should have cut it off while you were in there to begin with. and Messy. Then, and then just throw the body. Messy. Yeah. The, the, well, did he drain it, like, all the blood out, like, in the kid's head before? You know. Maybe. I don't know.
0: Um, the second story um you well you have a little interlude where you just have like a story of the parade happening um which is I should say frankly awesome. I wish that we had a massive Halloween parade yeah that you looks like been,
1: you would have banned the drum line looks like know.
0: Louisiana's uh um Mardi Gras. And uh, I wish we had that. But um, during that parade, you also see the vampire guy who's making out with a, a some random a, chick. Some random chick at the parade, and all of a sudden, you know, he turns into a or he starts biting her and becomes a uh, abuser. <laughs> I should say. And uh, I like that whole scene where it pans out where she's like sort of scared and she's hoping to go out to the parade and find somebody to help save her. And then she sees everybody looks like they're all bloodied and, um, you know, it
1: in some sort of gore. So she's like, fuck, you know what? <laughs> and that whole like her running down the alleyway and stuff with the parade and shit going on. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but nice little homage to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm hmm. You know, with the whole parade going on, and yeah,
0: the guy with the hood, yeah, yeah, stuff like that.
1: Um, but
0: I, I like that whole scene because, like, there's that final moment where he, you know, she succumbs to her fate. Then he lays her down in the uh, on the side of the street uh, next to a building and just closes her eyes. And then you see it pans out, and you see other people that are doing the same thing, but they're sleeping off; they're drunk. Um, it's a nice little moment because it does show you like the dangers of Halloween when you go out and you know everybody everybody is in gore everybody's bloody so you know it's the perfect time to commit a crime
1: so we learned from scream too yeah stab her in the movie theater yep she's already been loud well, that, and obnoxious Everyone's yeah. gonna be thinking like it's all just part of the show yeah it's,
0: it's sort of the same ideas like on Halloween it's all part of the show and you don't really know what's real and what's not so I, I like that little interlude as well. It's not really a, it's not really a story per se. It's just like a little filler part before you get into the next story. Um but I like that all the same. Uh then the next story is about the kids that we see
1: previously uh who are Stop by another house, See another Jacqueline from their teacher. Is that what she is? Yeah.
0: Yeah, they they like see all their you know their teachers in that party. And they're she's, kind of mortified
1: by seeing... No, it's great. The, the 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 two girls are mortified. The young boy's like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, you know, tilting his head. Because she's like sitting there, like she's wearing a cat suit and she's like shaking her tits and her ass in front of them like, come on in. You want a drink? I won't tell anyone. She probably
0: just pops some ecstasy. She's just like, whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> And then the one kid, like, they, they look behind there. And there's a hot dog, like,
0: <laughs> grinding up against another, uh, fucking, uh animal. you know, fucking
1: yeah. a pig. The kid, because the kids are trying to sort it out. It was great. The kid, the one, the chip, the boy pirate, he's like, the hot dog was butt fucking a pig. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So fun seeing sexual harassment <laughs> from your teachers. Um,. So this one is – so it's the same kid that showed up at uh, Stephen Wilkins' house. Uh, This time they're collecting pumpkins. They're picking up Rhonda, who they call Rhonda the retard, um, who's uh, a girl who seems like she might be a little bit autistic. um, They call her an idiot. Yeah. savant.
1: Yeah. And she's
0: obsessed with Halloween, which I can totally relate to.
1: Yeah. Uh, When she she rattled off that – it's Samhain, the, the Celtic celebration, and it's been around for. I'm like, yeah, that's 13 year old Ryan.
0: Yeah, that's right. And not only that, but she carved, hand carved, all of her jack o' lanterns. She's got like 400 jack o' lanterns so, on her yeah. lawn, and that's what do, impressive. What do you
1: think her parents
0: said? Yeah. Where did where did they get all of that? Honestly, like, think about the price of that. Even you know, if you think about Walmart right now has you know medium sized jack o' lanterns for three twenty eight. Three twenty eight times two hundred it's a lot yeah, of money <laughs> $700 <laughs> yeah. you know and uh, just think of so think about the logistics of that and then think about the, the logistics the <laughs> of you have to hand carve the pumpkins but you can't start too early on pumpkins because if you start too early they do rot and you if so like you get to a point where you have to do them all in a certain period of time so she just spent you know hours and hours and hours carving pumpkins i love it i wish my house was like that i want somebody to do that for me I want to hire like a jack-o'-lantern carving company, and somebody <laughs> should make this if there isn't one, where it's just like you know a force of 50 people who <laughs> jump out of their van with jack-o'-lanterns just start carving on your on your property and then just putting them up. you know it's like sort of like people who like the florist shops who deliver you flowers and like put your flowers out with mums and stuff for for the holidays, and they deliver it and they put it on your your uh, business front steps and stuff. Same thing, but with jack-o'-lanterns. So just like all kinds of jack-o'-lanterns. I'd pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> I mean, I like I, – I don't mind carving pumpkins. It just takes a lot of time. So I would like someone to do it for me. It would be perfect. I can't stand the smell. Yeah, the smell is a little off-putting. Ugh. And also lighting all of those pumpkins too – would be really would be hell. Because if it's windy outside think about lighting birthday candles, <laughs> you're like, fuck, I only have twelve candles and eight have blown out already. <laughs> now the same thing, but you have two hundred jack-o'-lanterns to light. Like. That's
1: that's well, a lot. in this part of Ohio it's not that windy. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Uh so they pick up Rhonda, they go to the um I will say the way she's kinda of dressed, uh Again, because I think this film has a nice little homage to other like horror films and Halloween stuff. Looks, li- she looks like the girl from Hocus Pocus.
0: Yeah, she does actually. You know? Yep.
1: Um, yeah,
0: the little girl from Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Um, I can't remember her name, but I'm sure my wife would would know it. Um, she does. She does look like that, like the witch costume. Yeah.
1: That's
0: mm-hmm. a good touch. Um, so they go to a little uh,
1: cliff area. They go to a quarry. quarry. That's right. One, how long of a hike was this for these little bastards? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what we're going to do on our Halloween night? We're going to hike 10 miles out to the quarry. Oh uh, You know, this is good old days when, you know, parents just let their kids fuck off. And they're like, where's Billy? They fucking no, He'll be back.
0: And also, when Halloween night like was never ending, like you just, yes. you know, there's no trick or treat curfew. There's no like six to well, see, eight.
1: I was to say, here's the thing: you always got pissed off like with Halloween movies because every time they do trick or treat, it's always like in broad daylight. Yeah, you know? that's true. You yeah, always, like that, that's one of your biggest like pet yeah. peeves when it came. Actually, comes to, like we original watching,
0: Halloween, we were just watching E. T. Yesterday and in an ET, they're going trick-or-treating
1: at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, so. well, I was gonna say, now I think about it, <clears throat> at least around here, like the trick-or-treat curfew is like five to seven. Six to
0: eight for, uh, yes, yeah, certain areas, five to seven for others. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, five o'clock, it is literally just getting dark. Like it's may, may not even be dark yet. That's why I only go to w- the locations that have six to eight trick-or-treating because it's <laughs> dark by then you know it's dusky I six. know but in this town it seems like it's like almost 1130 and they're like hey,
1: everyone's still running around <laughs> yeah it
0: does it does yeah yeah you don't really get a good sense of time as to you know when each of the the stories are happening so I would guess like the first stories when we have the earlier moniker are like 7 o'clock something like that and then later is like 9 o'clock because that would make sense in the scheme of things um so they go to quarry and then Marcy tells a story of a busload of kids that were sort of the um the special needs kids who were shipped off on a bus trip where the driver was told to just basically get rid of them you know do what you got to do but get rid of them
1: well they no they rode this bus constantly yeah it was their bu- you know there's And and the and the parents were like one day they had enough. Well, because it looked like it, like they went back to simpler times, the 50s. And yeah. That sounds about right. Like, oh but can you imagine, like, um,
0: just trying to come up with that plan? Like, you're one parent and you're like, I think I'm going to talk to the other parents about sending our kids <laughs> down a quarry.
1: Well, you know what? Yeah. It's... Coming it's, up
0: with that idea.
1: Oh, you want to j- fucking throw your kid off the quarry too? Me yeah, too? <laughs> me too. They're
0: all getting together for lemonade. That,
1: li- that, that little shit, you know, he's – I can't take the fact that, you know, he's needs <clears throat> – you know. But then again, it looks like it's the 50s. So yeah, they're, they're I, probably like, yeah, you know what? I imagine what happened
0: was they were all bonding over hating black people and then they said you know what our kids are special needs and i'm sick of them too and so that was when they were all like yeah we're on the same page let's get rid of them all
1: but yeah we because- have a nice time ta- you know what though it's kind of like uh nightmare though where all the parents get together and yeah. fucking get freddie killed and they're like all yeah. right We'll never speak of this again. Yeah, that's exactly
0: yeah. But I just imagine like the conversation that must have occurred to set this all in motion.
1: I like the fact that the kids are chained on the bus. Yeah. They're sitting there they're not seatbelted. in, they're chained in.
0: <laughs> it's because they're they're uh you know in the in the time where it was the mental uh sanatoriums <laughs> And that's what these kids basically needed to go to, is
1: a sanatorium. Just just imagine that, like, uh, school board meeting. All right. All in favor of passing the measure to uh, add funds to change for the (laughs) tarted children. Say aye. Aye. Okay. Measure passes. Yeah. Can't trust them with seatbelts. Not after Eddie
0: <laughs> was hung out the, the window with the seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. So you have the bus driver. They plummet off the quarry. It's a nice flashback scene. And like you were talking about, uh, all of this flashback, you know, you normally think of a flashback as being like in this very grayish, bluish tint. And in this case, it's orange. It's like particularly orange uh, tint for the flashback sequence. Um and you have this uh, little um, tidbit that sort of gets you ready for the, res- the rest of the stories where you have the the uh, driver who is reportedly never seen again, but you see him get out of the lake. Uh, well,
1: he doesn't drive it off. One of the kids is able to slip out because yeah. he knows they didn't go the right way home and he wants to go home. Yep. And then he just hops in the seat and floors it into the, the quarry. Yeah. But, and because they're all chained, the kids didn't, you know. They don't make it. But and you also driver. have
0: that nice, um, that element where all their
1: masks float up to the surface of the lake. Isn't it me or is one of the kids masks look like they were trying to be like the one spirit from like spirited away? The white mask with like the red stripes on the side. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like, I like this whole thing because a lot of it too is, you know, there's always a taboo of killing kids in movies. Yeah. They no, Yeah. They're like, whatever. Kids, kids are going to die. Um, so I like that whole aspect. And then you have Marcy and the rest of the, the kids who go down to the quarry. One, where did they get the
1: key to operate the... The elevator what? on the quarry. Two, that quarry looks like it's been abandoned for 50 years. Yeah. How is that thing even still functional? I don't know. You're thinking too much
0: logistics of it. It's sp- magical Halloween night. Sam did it all. Sam was the one that... Was just like, yeah. Yeah. Go on down, kids. But you have Rhonda, who is not uh, privy to all of the information about this, and they actually end up scaring her half to death because they pretend like they're the kids from the bus who are coming back from the grave. Um, And then, ultimately, the kids actually do come back from the grave. Uh, Slithering out of the lake and uh, ripping apart all of the kids, and Rhonda makes it out alive. Because she said, fuck all of you. Yeah, basically. She uses her knowledge of Halloween by lighting the pumpkins and keeping them around her as a mystical shield. And she makes it out alive. I do feel – out of all the kids, I feel
1: bad for Schrader because he at least, you know, was like, this is a bad idea. I I think you're supposed
0: to feel bad for Schrader but then also you're supposed to be like well he did go along with Marcy and the rest of them you know he's still an asshole yeah,
1: but he but he he was,
0: had redemptive qualities
1: well I Marcy's th- a total bitch she's like you know like I think, I'd say borderline sociopath the way she acts you <laughs> yeah, know she
0: is a sociopath <laughs> I think that the, um, one of the interesting things about trick or treat is that it doesn't really have redemption for its characters. It's sort of a bleak storyline altogether. They're all miserable. Yeah, most of them don't really have redemptive elements to them. Or if they, even if they try to do, to redeem themselves, it doesn't really matter. Like well, he's even say the same thing about Rhonda then, because of the fact she's like five fuckers and just yeah, like, you know. I think
1: the only and you hear, reason you hear why, the you don't see the kids get slaughtered, but as she's raising up in the elevator, you hear them getting slaughtered.
0: Yeah. You know? The only reason why Rhonda survives is because she adheres to the rules of Halloween. So she keeps her mm. jack-o'-lanterns lit. She doesn't kick them
1: into the water. Sam was watching on. He's, That's right. He's giving the warm side of the door. Yes, he He's giving that little nod. He's getting yeah, like, yes. Good job. Good job. You get it. You understand.
0: Yeah. So Rhonda is the one that makes it out alive. And she, you know, she she's adheres to the rules of Halloween. And so she gets it. But anybody even who has redemptive qualities, who, you know, like Schrader, who ha- tried to help her and stuff like that, they still get the dark. Ending, Um, and that comes up later on, especially in the last part of the the last storyline with um, Brian Cox, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, You know, no one really, even if they try to redeem themselves, they don't get a good happy ending, which I think is interesting about Trick or Treat. One of the things that I think is really interesting too about Sam that he shows up in like these opening um, storylines. He doesn't really have a lot to do with them though. Like he's not the main.
1: Um villain or villain, yeah. antagonist. Yeah,
0: he's he's not. He's he's like there. He's on the outskirts. You can see that he has a presence, but he's not a an actual like antagonist that does the, the killing or the murders. It's it's always something else that gets the, the people in those uh first stories. So Um he's I just, think that's interesting too. He's just the spirit of Halloween, guiding like the like, yeah.
1: like ooh, you made he's, a foul, oh, well you guess what you're getting. He's
0: just like there to oversee. Yeah. Um, so the third story involves, um, the group S- of Snow white and the seven Whores. Yeah. <laughs> the group of women who, uh, are dressed up like, uh, Disney, Disney princesses and,
1: uh, starring Anna Paquin in this one, which we do run into them a couple of times before we get to this story, see them trying on their outfits and. All that, and we a see, little boy perving on them. We see the, you know. how
0: well their push-up bras yeah. are working.
1: Very, yeah, they went, like, for the close shots for that. Yeah. Like, you know.
0: <laughs> In the opening sequences, yeah. Uh But you get Anna Paquin, and you... you uh, throughout, like, the, the other intertwined elements of the story, you understand that Anna Paquin is what they consider a virgin at 22. She hasn't, you know, done anything. And so they're trying to, on Halloween... Change that by getting her her first um, man. And so you're expecting that to be just your normal everyday, you know, oh, she's, you know, 22 and a virgin, you know. Loser. Yeah, She's got to have sex.
1: Uh, Which I, the- I laughed at when you said Anna Paquin, 22. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But uh, over the course of it, you kind of start to understand that that's not the case. And there's a nice reveal where she throws the vampire from the parade that we've seen in that uh, other filler moment into the ring of fire that the uh, other girls have. And they're already partying in the woods. Um, And you get that reveal that, no, she's not just the helpless little girl who's a virgin. Um, She's uh, actually part of a group of werewolves. And uh The Lycans. The Lycanthropes.
1: Yeah, I almost think it would have been cooler if it was just like witches. Instead of were- werewolves witches. Yeah, because the whole the way that werewolf transformation pl- uh plays out definitely doesn't hasn't aged well over the years.
0: Well, they they did go with the Marilyn Manson Sweet Dreams cover, which has really played out. Very passe. Yeah. Um pretty much shows up in a lot of 2000s era movies uh, horror movies House on Haunted Hill mm-hmm. you mentioned well, that was one of them. they were ahead of the curve yeah, that's true but yeah it's uh, it's one that shows up all the time, and you're right I think that that's one of those things that probably Michael Doherty looks back and is like, yeah, mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> wish I had not included that part yeah i think I think it would have been cooler if they were like a gr- a coven of witches. Because that that's more – that you associate witches more with Halloween than you do werewolves.
0: Yeah, I mean I like the werewolf aspect because I still think of, you know, werewolves, vampires, witches, ghosts as the main ingredients of Halloween. So I, I get that. There are no witches in this, which is, you know, kind of surprising. You would expect there to be witches at least. Um, so yeah, that's one element that they really missed in terms of like – Halloween uh, festivities, but, um, I i mean, I don't mind the werewolf thing. I don't think that the designs of the werewolves are that great. Like, I don't like werewolves that, this is my personal preference for me, but I don't like werewolves that are mostly wolf-like, because these werewolves mostly are what? mostly like wolves. Mostly what? Wolf-like.
1: There you go.
0: Wolf-like. wolf Wolf. Wolf-like. <laughs> um these are like these basically are like mostly wolves that that are like they're in their design and Looks I, like
1: Sky, like when you turn into a werewolf right, sky right
0: I wish they had gone with more you know howling like werewolf design um and also I would say that the puppeteering of the werewolves isn't that great in this movie um but other than that like I don't mind the werewolf so much um I just think that yes, the Sweet Dreams montage is something that has not aged well with this film. It would it would have been better off just set to like the atmospheric score that was already done for the movie.
1: Yeah, because it comes out of nowhere, you don't see like any uh other alt-rock song, alt metal song near 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 yeah, you know, it, for the next story, he accompanied by Mudvayne.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I do love about this story, though, is that that fucking path filled with jack o' lanterns that she wa- and walks down. It's awesome. Nice leafy
1: road. It's great. It's like that is the epitome of Halloween to me. And now we get um come full circle because the it turns out the uh, midnight creeper, Steve Wilkins. Yeah. I like when
0: they reveal that and she asks for his name and he's like, Steven Wilkins! Steven! (laughs) Yeah, because there is that nice moment where he gets his comeuppance, and you're like, yeah, you thought you were such a bad man with your vampire teeth.
1: Yeah, and she her little plastic vampire teeth, and yeah. she, you know, pulls them out. Yeah. so so that begs the question. So, did he stab her, the girl? Well, or I think he used the vampire teeth
0: as you know, because they are kind of sharp. At like the the teeth themselves, like the little canines. Uh, so I think he just used those as like little you know pin pricks. Um, and then I think probably he he murdered her in a different way without
1: the teeth. That we don't see mm. when he like flashes his cape around. So when he's not uh, killing children and turning their skulls into jack o' lanterns, he goes on the prowl in yeah. like an eyes wide shut like esque uh, carnival mask and cape and yeah, murders women in the alleyway. He's after busy guy. Them up. He's very busy. Well, let's let's face it. Stephen
0: Wilkins, the principal, probably not getting a lot of tail. Well, his wife is dead. Yeah, that's true. But vampire Stephen Wilkins with a masquerade mask
1: (laughs) on. It makes him so mysterious. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter who he is. He probably... I just love the idea that he's doing all this crazy shit and then he runs into werewolves and he's like, this is fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I, I, (laughs) I mean, I get it. They're werewolves, but you know... People actually do carve you know- you know skulls you know people's skulls out and stuff you know yeah. s- s- uh serial killers and whatnot. Could, yeah. that you know it has happened and stuff uh lichens, uh not real but again yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know it's just it's just funny the idea that he's just some murderous guy. And He happens just to runs into a pack of werewolves. I don't know. Maybe because he was like getting a little excited when Anna pack was like standing over and grinding on him. Like, oh, I like where this is going. You know? Yeah. And then he looks around and sees all the other men that have been tied up and like slashed. And he's like, oh no. Yeah. Um,
0: and then our last story brings us right around to the same element that we've saw in the Stephen Wilkins opening story. Um, except we see it from Brian Cox's point of view, who you like to say play a game. Yeah. Is it Brian Cox or is it rip torn? Yeah. This one, he looks a lot like rip torn. It from sounds Body. a lot like rip. Yeah. Torn. Yeah. He, he does. And, uh, <laughs> here he's playing like his most, uh,
1: miserable old man <laughs> character. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the original Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Brian
0: Cox, too, this entire story seems based on a Tales from the Dark Side pilot episode on Halloween that was about an, a crotchety old man who refused to give out candy and then who is visited by uh, a spirit that, um, a witch actually, it's a witch that stops at his door and, uh, you know, plays tricks on him. Um, even to the point where it has the dog. As a scary character who scares trick-or-treaters away. Literally, that's a Tales from the Dark Side episode. And that's also in Trick-or-Treat. I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if it was, you know.
1: Like I said, it probably is. Because, like I said, from the looks of it, there's a lot of little nice homages to... I believe Romero wrote that episode.
0: If I'm not mistaken. uh, And I could totally be mistaken. But I believe that he wrote that episode. And so... It's right out of, you know, things have changed a little bit. Obviously, you have Sam in this one instead of a witch. But it's very, very similar to that Tales from the Dark Side episode, um, which I thought I should just point out. So you got Brian Cox. And this one um, in particular is an interesting story because it's mostly driven by Brian Cox. Most of the other stories in this are not just one character-driven story. They have multiple characters that can help, you know. With all of the other lift work, but Brian Cox is really the only character in this one, and he's forced to kind of, you know, sell the whole story, um, especially when you consider that the only other thing in it is Sam, a mystical spirit. So he's got a lot of work to do, and he does it pretty well, and he does it in like a, a believable crotchety way. Um, that's also sort of cemented in dark comedy and uh, slapstick. Because you have those moments where when Sam attacks and he blows his hand off, and then the hand is still moving around, you know, he, he elicits that, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You know, it still has that comedy element to it. Um, whereas, you know, it's sort of playing up the slapstick nature of it, it's playing up like the goofiness of Sam as a character being a, a living pumpkin. Um, so you have both of those elements, and I think it works pretty well as a final storyline.
1: No, I agree. I like it. Um some of those moments that you're talking about, like like his uh disembodied parts walking around, stuff kinda of like a nice like, little like evil dead touch, evil dead two touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I just love Brian Cox is always great. He's always a terrific delight. Uh here him playing like Rip Torn is just great, because he's <laughs> just like an angry curmudgeon of a drunk. Yeah. Who, you know, looks like he's been through hell and back. Um and the only thing he loves is his whiskey and his uh dog. Spite. Spite. Gotta get that right.
0: You would think you could think it's Spike. It's I do
1: love Spike. when he's yelling at Wilco when we see the uh, playback of from his perspective, though, that whole interchange the exchange between him and Wilkins. He's like, I'm an NRA member, you know. Yeah. I've got an NRA membership yeah. in my yeah. pocket. And I'll use, you know. I really I think the best part of the whole this whole little short is um, when he gets up to the bedroom and you got the jack-o'-lantern that's fucking – Just blasting with it and fire. Fire and yeah. you see all – written all around on his walls and like blood like trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat. You know? Yeah. That's yeah, a good touch.
0: Um, and here, again, we do have what you were talking about, the razor blades and the candy because Sam has put out candy on the stairwell, like roly mm-hmm. candy with razor blades and glass. Mm-hmm. That's just like kind of dispersed on the on the stairs. Uh, which is a very like painful looking moment
1: as he yeah, falls he goes, on it. He goes ass over teakettle yeah. after getting his Achilles sliced uh, un- underneath the bed by Sam. You know he goes ass over teakettle down the stairs and gets glass and shit all in his you know embedded in his hands. Yeah, then he has to try to go and
0: unlock his door with it, and you can <laughs> see like all the glass still stuck yeah. in his fingers. It's a nice little
1: tactile moment that you get there. Um, I will say the weakest part is when they reveal Sam's face mm-hmm. with the bag off. Mm-hmm. That that CGI just does. Yeah, I agree.
0: I it, don't like the the whole design of Sam's face underneath the bag. I think it's way more effective when you just see the bag because you don't really know what's under there. It's just a bag, and so there's a nice you know it's a callback to Friday the Thirteenth with Jason the baghead Jason. Yep. Um, you know, you have all of that. I think it would have been better to just leave it or even just where they, you know, Leave it will, cut like,
1: like cut a little part. You can see a little bit, maybe yeah. that right, way like
0: you, they, they leave that where his jaw is kind of hanging yeah. out. And I think that would have been fine. <clears> we <throat> didn't really need the full mask to come off. I think it's, it's, it's the reveal is a part of the weaker element of, of Sam's design. I think, um, you know, I, I get that they wanted him to be a like literal embodiment of Halloween as a jack-o'-lantern. But I think that the the actual payoff doesn't work as much as it should um, what with the design and how it looks and everything I just you know it's it's not as effective as it could be. Um, but other than that, I like the short I think it's really effective I like that the whole wraparound comes back to the Wilkins element where you see him at the window you know mm. say screaming help me Wilkins um, It's a it, everything really comes together there at the end and then after that you have the nice like, conclusion, which was a, another part of the wraparound story where you get back to the later that we saw at the beginning of the film. With um, the audience speeding up. and the, Yeah, and the- that's where you get all four of the story stories that come together, you know, in one scenario. They're all presented to you on you know the the street where you're seeing all of those four kind of come together, which we did
1: one. see all that in the beginning, but yeah. now it all it's all tied together. Yeah, now and you, because you didn't saw, really know what you were yeah. seeing
0: at that point, and now now it's all makes
1: sense to you. I just love the fact that uh, Bri- Brian Cox is saved by a candy bar. Yeah, as he's about to get stabbed by Sam's lollipop knife, he's, he's got the candy bar in between his legs, and that's where he stabs him. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, thanks for the candy." which if i if i think so that's like one of the wilkins candy so you know what it's a good thing he didn't eat that yeah. otherwise he would have been vomiting it up blood too but then again he's probably it's just a normal day for me yeah
0: yeah and then you have that whole moment at the end where he understands like oh shit you know i got to give out candy now you know that's that's what basically what my moral was of the story tonight. and then
1: we also see um which i do think it's a little heavy handed the whole as after Sam leaves, you see in the fire, in his fireplace, as it's burning, a photo. It's a picture. It's the eight kids and the bus driver.
0: Yeah. Do you? <gasps> what does it mean? Do you think that the that's that's not necessary? That you just would be able to understand that without needing to see the photos?
1: I, I think. I mean, I think it's. Not, I mean, it's not the worst thing, but I do think it is comes off a little heavy-handed. I would have liked to have seen it where it didn't pan in as much on
0: the photo. Where you just yeah. saw like maybe a little snippet of the photo that he's burning. Mm. So you can see, you know, the kids and stuff from afar. You didn't really need the zoom in of like the, you know, the full photo. And then you kind of like pan off to see the bus driver where it's supposed to,
1: you know. Even if even if they didn't show that, you could gather by the end of the film that like, oh, he's the bus driver. Because everybody that's in the film has been connected to a story. Yeah. So the, fa- the fact that we did see in that story – after the bus went off, th- th- you know, into the quarry, that he survived.
0: And also, at the end of that bus story, you hear him get out of the water, and he's wheezing. He's like, <laughs> and then you have uh, Brian Bang. Cox actually wheezing throughout that. So you should be able to gather that yeah. to piece that together. Um, I feel like they were just a little concerned that if they did not give you like a, a actual context context to it, you might miss it. Uh, And then wonder why at the end he's visited by the spirits from the bus. But, um, yeah, I think it might be a little bit heavy-handed and they could have left it. You know, they didn't have to zoom right in on that photo.
1: I mean, it's not like so super heavy-handed where it's like offensive. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what I said when we got that. Like,
0: what does it mean?
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think they could have left it off a little bit.
0: Um, I do like, though, that the spirits visit him even though he's already survived his encounter with Sam because Sam is basically just upholding the rituals of Halloween, but that doesn't really give you the license to do whatever. Like your past still comes back to haunt you in this movie. So despite the fact that he survived Sam's encounter, the spirits still have their own place in coming back on Halloween and, you know, violently murdering him. I think I saw Ted Danson in there too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's always like there's this moral to it that is sort of very similar to Creepshow and Tales from the Crypt. You've got morals within the stories that, you know, are centered around Halloween specifically.
1: Um, I I, I think the best part, though, that whole ending where everything's connecting, we see the uh, Rhonda with her wagon almost getting hit by the audio, the werewolf girls after they just got done having their blood sex orgy (laughs) thing. And speeding off to some other town. They had to make sure, though, that you saw that Audi front play because they probably gave like half the budget to this film, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then um, we see like the robot, you know, the girl with the robot and the page boy, whatever the fuck costume. And as she's snuffing out that pumpkin, we see Sam, like, who was about ready to retire for the night. He's like, my work is not done yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can almost see him, like... I, I think it would have been funny if they had had him, like, turn away and then do a double take. Like, wait a second. She just fucking blew out that jack-o'-lantern. Um, yeah, it's got to be exhausting for him. He's like the Santa Claus of Halloween. He's just he's going like, on. Yeah, like, November 1st, he's like... Whoa! <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm going to the Bahamas. <laughs> now, did you like how, um... When Brian Cox gets visited by the eight undead uh, children, that like we don't get to see his fate, but we, as in the credits, you get to see like little comic panel snippets. Yeah, I and think they kind of like like a flip book kind of
0: rush through. I think it's a good way to end it, be, to bring it again, to wrap around to the beginning where you had that comic book opening. Otherwise, the comic book opening would have felt a little um off like you wouldn't understand really why they did that opening so i like that the ending
1: other than just homage creep show and have yeah. to have constantly for like the stories like later you know earlier yeah
0: i like that that ending kind of brings it all together you know
1: just yeah gives
0: it a nice little uh bow to, to explain why they did that i think it's good good touch and the one thing i'll say about overall about trick-or-treat is that I like this film for Halloween because it is like the epitome of Halloween. It has jack o' lanterns, it has werewolves, it has ghosts, it has zombies, it has uh, a bright orange palette, it has orange text. It's yeah. all Halloween. It has boobies. And you could say, like, you know, Halloween, the movie is Halloween y in terms of how it's been associated with Halloween, but I would say trick or treat. Is the more definitive Halloween film?
1: Yeah, you've always argued about Halloween being not Halloween-y enough. It do- doesn't, you know, really feel like because Halloween. the low budget shows that it's not Halloween. I guarantee you, in nineteen seventy nine, a fucking pumpkin wasn't that expensive. John Carpenters were just probably like, "We're not doing it." Yeah, I don't feel like dealing with cutting all these pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think I I love Halloween.
0: I love the Halloween series, but I think Trick or Treat is the more definitive Halloween film. It just has everything that you think of f- with Halloween. Just just perfect, perfect encapsulation of it. Even the opening um little uh you know safety video that you see mm, from perfect. like the fifties, yeah. you know.
1: Always walk on sidewalks, you <laughs> little ghouls and goblins. Bring your flashlights. And don't go to strangers' houses.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. Everything is perfect. Um. All right, so uh, let's give a rating here. Uh, on a scale of um 0 to 10, uh, Glenn McPherson cheap whiskey, <laughs> what would you give
1: Trick or Treat? I'll give it an 8 out of 10. All right. It's a very good film. Uh, whether the homages are intentional or not, um, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say they are. I greatly enjoy the homages. You're right. I definitely think out of probably many of films I've seen, it's definitely the most Halloween-y film. It's definitely got the great, like, best atmosphere, constantly just dark and fog, constantly rolling in, Uh, the jack-o'-lanterns and all the leaves, and just the way it looks is real. I love the aesthetics, I think, especially for a mid-2000s film, horror film, is really, really good. Um, I think all the stories are interesting. And well done. I will say the weakest story of the bunch. Is Anna Paquin's werewolf story. You know. It's the the shortest one. And least really that has anything going for it. Um, But all all the other stories. I really enjoyed. uh, And some of them have a nice. You know. Very dark humor tone to them. Um, At 82 minutes. It's a nice brisk watch. You don't ever feel like you're getting slogged through things. Um, though, as I said earlier, it's not really, I'm not saying it's a handicap, but I do think go in, if you haven't seen this before, and if you do expect it to be a traditional anthology, um, it's not that it's a very nonlinear story that kind of straddles of what an anthology is, but overall, I think it's very good. I would probably, I would definitely add this to, um, uh, my like Halloween rotation for films to watch.
0: Uh, I would give it a nine out of 10. I love this film. I've seen it so many times. I watch it every year. It's a pretty much an annual tradition. Um, watch it with friends. I created a drinking game for it. That's on cult exploitation. If you're interested, I'm sure we'll post it again for, uh, Halloween uh, on Facebook. So I, I know this movie and every time you kind of notice something a little bit different about it. Um, I've always noticed, you know, various things as, as I'm watching it. Um, one thing that stands out to me is when uh, Sam has his little bag that he's carrying down the stairs. It squeaks. You hear, squeaks. The cat. You hear, the yeah, you hear like hear the them. cat squeaking in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just things like that you notice all the time. Um, and so I, I really love this film. It just has a lot of great atmosphere to it. Um, you know, if you're a person like me who loves Halloween, it basically has everything that you could ask for. Um, and really, the only thing that we're waiting on now is Trick or Treat, too. You know, uh, you've seen Trick or Treat so many times, you kind of want to branch out from there. And uh, see what else is on offer for us. So um, we need more Halloween-specific movies. He's going to okay. do what Eli Roth has not been able to do
1: yet. He's going to do Killing*. Yeah,
0: right, right. Yeah, he's covered Halloween. He's covered Christmas. What about the territory in between? Got to
1: get that. He's going to do a real proper remake of My Bloody Valentine. That's right. You know? Yeah. Believe in Michael
0: Doherty. I haven't seen the new Godzilla. I do want to see it. Because he directed it. Um, I've heard mixed reviews, but you know what? Godzilla is fun. I'm definitely interested in it. All right, so um, we've got one more episode for everybody for Anth Halloween. And this one is a 2010s film. We're, sk- we're going forward to 2010s. Um, and it's another anthology, obviously. And it's another one set on Halloween. And it's a more – I'll say it's a more traditional anthology as well. So that should really give it away. I mean I, I don't know that anybody else – anybody can think of very many films. I think there are a couple anthologies set on Halloween. Um, So give it a guess and I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and then that's it. Then Halloween is here, which is kind of crazy. I can't believe that it's already almost Halloween. Although we have been doing this since September, so – We've been doing quite a few Halloween episodes. Um, so check out our, our episode next time. Um, it'll be the last one for Halloween and then we'll continue on. We'll keep going um, with episodes and until we get to our Christmas season because we always do a lot of stuff for Christmas as well. Um, so thanks for listening. We'll um, catch you next time. Find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher podbean pretty much every podcasting app we're on so find us on there subscribe and like us and leave us a nice review we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast we're on Twitter at blood and black rum uh, we have an email address at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com and always you can donate to us on patreon at patreon.com and black rum podcast if you like what you're do- what we're doing and you want to hear more of it um, please donate to us so that we can keep the podcast running um, also, Before we end this episode, I just wanted to mention that we're probably going to go out and see movies like Joker and the new Jay and Silent Bob. And if you would be interested, we might do minisodes of some of those films that we don't have enough time to cover in full or that we just don't think that there's enough um, interest to cover in full. So something like Jay and Silent Bob, we might do like a little minisode on just a, a quick brief you know review of it um so if you're interested in that we might do that Um, might make it available on patreon so just keep that in mind let us know if you're interested in that um but hopefully we'll go out and see some of those and uh we had talked about maybe doing el camino as well i don't know i know you've already seen it um i haven't seen it yet but
1: you know well you know what
0: netflix is gonna take it down before you know it So uh we that that's a possibility as well but we're we're toying with the idea of doing mini sods if we get the time. So something to look forward to. All right. So next week we're back with another in the final episode of Anthalloween and we hope to see you then. Take care.